0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's Your Active event on closed-loop recycling, where we're going to be talking about what can help and what can hinder. My name is Dave Keating. I'm a journalist based in Brussels, and I'm coming at you live from the Your Active studios at the heart of the EU quarter. So, first off, what is closed-loop recycling? Well, it's a process where packaging is collected and recycled into new packaging, or converted back to a raw material. The key difference with closed-loop recycling is that the loop can be be performed indefinitely without losing its properties during the recycling process. So the benefits of such a system are fairly obvious. By reducing the production and use of raw materials, closed-loop recycling minimizes harm to the environment and discourages resource depletion. So it's in contrast to open-loop recycling, where a product is recycled, but it has to be mixed with new raw materials in order to become a new product, and this typically leads to downcycling, where the recycled product is of an inferior quality to the original. Now, there's lots of different recycling methods, and the key question is, which method is best for each type of recycled material? Now, we're also going to be talking today, not just about when, when closed loop recycling is appropriate, but also how policymakers can get this balance right. Last year, the European Commission launched the EU Circular Economy Action Plan as one of the main building blocks of the European Green Deal. The proposals that make up the action plan are set to influence almost every stage of Europeans' lives by ensuring that products and materials we see everywhere, from the home to the office or school to doctor's clinics, are all truly sustainable. Now, part of that action plan is an upcoming review of the Packaging and Waste Directive that will aim to ensure that, quote, all packaging on the EU market are recyclable or reusable in an economically viable way by 2030. It'll build on the last revision of the directive that set new recycling targets for packaging, measuring the actual recycling of packaging materials, not just collection rates. So the question we'll be discussing today is, what role will closed-loop recycling have in the revision of the Packaging Waste Directive and in the Circular Economy Action Plan more broadly? And how can it be most appropriately applied to all the different materials that we recycle, which includes, of course, glass, plastic, and paper as some of the obvious ones? and we'll talk about what types of recycling schemes best improve collection rates so we can get materials into the recycling loops, whether they're closed or open. Now, you guys at home will be able to participate in this discussion. You can send in your questions to the panelists using the chat feature there in your Vimeo screen. Uh, just go ahead and start typing in your questions now, and I will pose them to the panelists at the end of the panel. You can also participate in the debate on Twitter using the hashtag EADebates. So let me introduce you now to our panel of experts who will be discussing this with us today. We have here with us Rosalina Petrova, a member of cabinet for the EU Environment Commissioner, Virginius Sinkovicius. We have Finnish MEP Serpa Pietikainen, who is a member of the European Parliament's Environment Committee and a shadow rapporteur for the new Circular Economy Action Plan in the European Parliament. We have Vanya Veras, Secretary General at Municipal Waste Europe. We have Patricia Foslad, Secretary General of Natural Mineral Waters Europe. And we have Vanessa Cheno, Product Policy Manager at the European Container Glass Federation, FEVE. Thank you to all of you for joining us here today. Rosalina, why don't we start with you? Because I've talked uh, a lot so far about what the European Commission has been up to in this area. So what does the upcoming review of the packaging and packaging waste directive have in store in the area of closed loop recycling?
1: Thank you and uh, good afternoon, everybody. First of all, I would like uh, to thank your active and then and, uh, for um, the initiative to organize uh, this discussion. Uh, indeed, uh, recycled content is uh, a very exciting area where. Uh, we see a lot of promise and opportunities. We've already seen what um, uh, very well targeted requirements on recycled content uh, can indeed bring uh, in the context of uh, the requirements that were set with the single-use plastic directive, where we already have, uh, uh, indeed, uh, minimum recycled content, first for uh, pet bottles uh, with targets for 2025, and uh, then for all bottles with targets for 20 to 2030. And this measure has been indeed extremely successful in uh, linking uh, all the actors in the value chain uh, in order to ensure that um, uh, we closed the loop for plastics because uh, uh, when um, first we started with the plastic strategy and with the circular plastic alliance and we get all those pledges from the industry, we saw that uh, actually while uh, a lot of the recycling industry is ready to supply the material, uh, actually, there is uh, not so much readiness. Uh, there was some, of course, but not uh, so big in terms of volumes uh, for for the uh, producers of the products, which is um, indeed in a greater extent packaging, to take on this recycled content. In, uh, for instance, in the area of, of uh, plastic, this is very important because we see that forty uh, percent uh, of all the use of plastics is for packaging and. The plastic packaging is responsible for 60% of all plastic that becomes waste. It is like this because basically plastic packaging becomes very quickly uh, waste, and uh, at the same time, there was there is still a huge sustainability challenge to prevent plastic pollution. So this measure actually put all the rest- all the actors in the value chain from um, uh, uh, from the ones that uh, collect waste, uh, big municipalities or EPR schemes, to, uh, the res- to the re- those operators that sort the waste and uh, those that recycle the waste, to see, and also um, those that develop new technologies, to see, okay, how do we solve this problem together? How we ensure that uh, we can have uh, safe recycled content in, in the end, in, uh, uh, in, in the packaging? And uh, uh, this has been quite uh, successful. And uh, this is also what we are trying to explore uh, for other uh, products, materials as well. And in the new circular economy action plan, as you mentioned, the recycled content uh, uh, features quite prominently on a number of places. Uh, first of all, it features for, uh, as part of our sustainable product policy initiative, because you would like to see where uh, we could uh, explore this further, not only for plastics, but for other materials. Uh, And we actually already did this uh, with uh, the revision of uh, the batteries uh, legislation. So now we have a proposal for new batteries regulation. We proposed recycled content targets uh, for some key materials where we know that the regulatory push uh, could make a lot of difference. And for instance, now we have on the table recycled content targets uh, for cobalt, for lithium, for uh, uh, um, lead and nickel. So, uh, And then we really want to see how we could explore this instrument further. So of course, this would be relevant uh, for the review of the packaging and packaging waste directive um, as well, and also for the forthcoming review of end of life vehicles directive as well, and for the sustainable product policy initiative. Of course, what we always want to see is where there is really a market failure because when, as legislators, when we have to act. Uh, we have to act where there is really uh, the, the market failure, where uh, we see that uh, if there is this regulatory push, uh, we could get to a more sustainable solutions and we can help the market function properly for uh, uh, in order to ensure this circularity. And this is what we are looking at at, at the moment. And indeed, uh, conversations like that uh, are very useful in order to touch base with... Uh, uh, all the uh, parts of the value chains. Uh, here we have it in municipalities, we have uh, uh, also the, the recyclers uh, themselves, and, and uh, indeed to see what is the best way forward. So thanks once again and uh, looking forward to the debate.
0: Thanks, Rosalina. So, of course, anything put forward by the Commission then goes to the co-legislators, the European Parliament and the European Council. So let's turn to the European Parliament next Sirpa. Um, I want to check that you can hear me. I know there was a bit of trouble connecting, but I think we've got you now, so I'll go ahead and ask my question to you. So, Sirpa, do you think that closed-loop recycling is important for the circular economy? Yes, in,
2: <clears throat> indeed, and the t- uh, technology is on place. Uh, very well right now. It is on the core of circular economy. Uh, First of all, of course, you should plan the uh, goods and products to be as uh, long living as possible. And uh, you need to use the principle uh, of uh, having all the goods, when possible, to be uh, replaced, repaired modular so that the parts can be reused and the material can be used as such in the same place. So uh, how you plan this uh, loop and how you define the circularity is important. And uh, on the the crux is designing out of the waste on the process of uh, product design, because if you have a bad product design, you can collect whatever waste uh, uh, streams you want, and uh, the level of reuse is uh, pretty poor. And there you need uh, the extended producer liability. And then again, the next step, sort of having these demands and requirements to reuse the uh, material uh, right uh, very much in place. Then the second or third uh, issue is actually the uh, deposit uh, uh, schemes, because the material comes as a value in the process, not a, a cost like a waste. And then of course, uh, while there is extended producer liability, there's also extended producer rights on on this side and uh, that needs to be acknowledged and uh, uh, protected.
0: Thanks Serpa. So let's go to uh, Patricia next to get the perspective from the Natural Mineral mineral Waters Europe. Um, Patricia, what is your perspective on closed loop recycling and, and where it best applies.
3: Thank you very much, Dave. And I'd like to uh, extend my, my thanks to uh, Feve also to uh, inviting us to together this interesting exchange uh, today. So um, closed-loop recycling, it's a very important topic for us. And there is no way that closing the loop on all its packaging is a top priority for all our members. Even more so that the packaging materials that they are using are highly suited for that purpose. Indeed, for for decades, uh, their, our members have been invi- uh, have been uh, investing in in light weighting and in eco design, with the result that today, whether glass or PET, refillable or one way obviously, depending on the the consumption channel, both are fully recyclable and they can be used and reused in new bottles over and over again. However, uh, currently, we're facing a challenge, which is there is not enough recycled PET available on the market for us to close the loop. So for this to become a reality, uh, we need clearly an increase in collection, um, an improvement of sorting. Also, an important factor would be access to our recyclable packaging material, because uh, it is so successful that uh, many other, including non-food sectors, are using recycled uh, material that we put on the market. Um, So that's making uh, the the, difficult. that's making it difficult for us to um, fully close the loop, meeting the uh, targets in the SUP directive, for, for instance. Therefore, we also believe that a wide deployment of DRS across the EU and an increase also of recycling capacities would help towards fully closing the loop. Last but not least, um, I do believe that we need a mind shift uh, because what we observe is that amongst consumers if you if they deal with uh, pla- uh, packaging um, if glass packaging bottles they see it as a resource they have their certainty that uh, if they dispose properly of their glass bottle he will be taken care of, and it will be reused. Unfortunately, we're not wit- witnessing the same awareness uh, f- at the level of consumer when it comes to a PET bottles. And this is a great pity, because both packaging material are um, valuable and can participate in the circular economy. So. Um, This mind shift is very important, uh, not only towards close loop, but also to avoid litter. What we can say, I think, if we look at Europe, is that we're already quite well advanced towards uh, circularity for packaging. We have um, collection and recycling rate that we can already be quite proud of if we compare it to other regions. But with the right measures in place, we can fully close the loop. On our packaging. And uh, this would be a major achievement.
0: Thanks a lot. Let's go to Vanya next. So, coming from the perspective of Municipal Waste Europe, Vanya, what materials would you say uh, is closed loop recycling best suited for?
4: Um, okay, so this is a trick question in many ways. So, I, I will treat it as such. Um, when we talk about closed loop recycling um, the most problematic materials generally or material um, is plastics Uh, and so my direct answer is any materials eco-designed with the purpose of closed loop recycling are suitable for closed loop recycling everything else uh, has to be treated in a different way so if At the end of separate collection, sorting, um, and um, treatment of separate streams, there is an amount of waste which we call residual waste, either directly from the consumer or um, as residues from sorting and recycling. These must be treated in a different way. Um, So there's A couple of things that are gaping holes in our waste management system globally and particularly in Europe as we're in the EU. Um, It doesn't matter how good our separate collection system is, how good our materials are, um, if the situation continues where there are untraced shipments of waste within and outside of Europe, We will continue to lose waste to the wrong type of treatment uh, or even to landfills or dumps Uh, currently this group of unchecked operators are called brokers and dealers they are mentioned in the waste framework directive Uh, they are not registered anywhere as brokers and dealers their waste shipments their notifications are not registered and so we there is no way of tracing these quantities of waste. And a lot of recyclable materials are lost in that way.
0: Um,
4: I'm just going to say that for now and then wait for your next question.
0: Let's turn to Vanessa next. So Vanessa, why is closed loop, uh, closed loop recycling important and I'm thinking in particular for the glass sector?
5: Yeah, thank you very much, uh, Dave, and uh, thank you, uh, to all of you uh, for being with us today. Um, so g- closed-loop uh, recycling is extremely uh, important for the glass uh, industry because we believe that glass is really a perfect uh, material uh, for the circular economy because it is 100% and uh, infinitely recyclable in a closed uh, bottle-to-bottle uh, loop without uh, losing its properties, be it in terms of food safety or in terms of recyclability. You can recycle it over and over again. It will not uh, degrade. So it's a permanent uh, material. And on top of that, uh, glass is uh, reusable, it's non-toxic, and it's uh, inert, uh, making it one of the most uh, effective packaging materials for uh, protecting food. So with that in mind, of course, we want our material uh, to stay in the circular economy for as long uh, as uh, possible. Um, So today, um, almost eight bottles of out of uh, uh, 10 put on the EU market are collected to be uh, recycled uh, in Europe and the vast majority goes back to glass packaging production. So we we have already achieved a very high uh, performance but we can do more and we want uh, to do more um because recycled glass is our most important uh, raw materials and the amount of recycled glass we can put in our production uh directly depend on the availability of um of 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 glass recycled glass um so that's that's very important for us because introducing uh recycled glass in our production brings major environmental and uh decarbonization uh benefits um so just to give you a, a few a few numbers If you um, uh, increase uh, by 10% the level of recycled glass in the furnace, uh, you decrease uh, the energy use by 3% and uh, the CO2 emissions by 5%. So that's uh, significant. And on top of that, you also reduce reliance on virgin uh, raw materials because one ton of uh, recycled glass uh, replaces 1.2 tons of virgin uh, raw materials. So for us, uh, it's very important uh, to uh, to increase uh, recycle content in our production, um, because that brings uh, major uh, benefits. So that's really a win-win solution for, for everybody. Uh, so we do promote closed-loop recycling, and that's the reason why uh, we initiated a multi-stakeholder partnership, which is called uh, Close the Glass Loop, uh, and which is uh, actually uh, supported by uh, Vanya's and uh, Patricia's organization, to really... Uh, work together to boost the quantity and the quality of glass that is collected uh, in Europe and ultimately uh, the level of uh, recycle content in uh, in packaging so we we i would like to thank uh, all of our uh, panelists for joining this uh, imp- important discussion on closed loop recycling today um, because we collectively we can uh, we can do more, uh, and uh, as Patricia mentioned, we need to to put in place the right uh, measure uh, to to be uh, to be successful. So thank you very much, and uh, looking forward to the to the discussion.
0: Thanks, Vanessa. So we've already had a lot of great questions coming in from you guys at home and the audience. Uh, so I'm going to get to those pretty quickly because you guys have a lot of great questions. Uh, keep them coming. You can put them in the chat box, and I'll read them out to the panelists. I have a couple of questions for the panelists first, though. I wanted to ask you all about the issue of consumer choice and kind of what consumers can do here. Because I think for a lot of people, recycling sometimes feels a bit out of their control. They can make sure they sort everything like they're supposed to at home. But then once things go off to the recycling facility, uh, they don't know if it's closed loop recycling or open loop recycling or, or what's happening to that item. Um, so how do you all think that we can empower consumers to be part of this process? Uh, and also when, when we're thinking about recycling methods, how do we let consumers know how their recycling is, um, is being handled and maybe give them a choice? Um, Rosalina, what do you think the Commission can do to, to help consumers be more part of this process?
1: Thank you. That's uh, one of my favorite questions because it doesn't have a straightforward answer. Of course, we all agree that consumers have a great power uh, and uh, uh, that uh, they should form a part of the transition towards a more uh, circular economy. Uh, And there are a number of ways how we can do that. Uh, We can do that by um, raising awareness, Uh, we can do this by better information. Uh, uh, For instance, we have foreseen uh, in um, uh, the new uh, uh, circular economy action plan uh, an initiative uh, whereby we would like to harmonize the systems for separate collection. Uh, at the EU level, so that uh, uh, which also includes certain options uh, that will look even at uh, the colors of the bins at uh, uh, which could then be reflected on the packaging, for instance, and this is uh, something that we are more and more asked to do, actually, not even from the consumers but from the business side, because there are apparently such initiatives being taken at member states level while we would like to preserve our internal marketing to ensure that uh, the labeling uh, is not um, Uh, something that that prevents the free movement of goods. So uh, uh, that that, that on a side note, but uh, we can do a lot to empower the consumer, but I believe really that we have to make it also easy to the consumer choose sustainable products. So that's why uh, our new approach, in addition to empowering consumers, is really to work with minimum requirements so that all the products uh, that we place on the market are actually sustainable and we don't put the burden on the consumer as such. Because we are all consumers and we know uh, how limited uh, time and possibility sometimes we have to make choices and uh, there are a number of factors that influence our choice all the products that we buy, so uh, I think that everybody has to take uh, their responsibility. Uh, authorities in um, regulating properly, uh, business in ensuring that they strive for the sustainability, and then then uh, finally consumers. But um, uh, let's say uh, let's not put all the burden on, on the consumers. Uh, that's where I would I would tend.
0: Sirpa, I saw you nodding at this this issue of the consumers. How do you think we can get uh, consumers, your your constituents, more involved? Well, I think that there's a lot of willingness
2: and activity already there. And that's why I was nodding, because I I like the Commission's approach that the uh, system should be pan-European. I prefer that uh, we would have uh, the common set of rules for all materials uh, in the whole Europe. But that doesn't mean that the the rules and collection system needs to be the same for the cardboard and uh, plastics and and glass, because all of these sectors are different. But sector-wise, whatever you do, that should be harmonized and clear to to apply and uh, clear to use. And then, uh, if we have a strong regulation that actually puts the requirement on genuine reuse of the materials, this is uh, uh, on place to increase the uh, consumer's confidence. Plus then, uh, I mentioned once, I'm still mentioning the deposit systems, because I think that this is uh, one uh, point showing that this material does uh, carry a value uh, for the consumer and for the process and industry in general. And uh, then, of course, if the system is reliable, the consumers can uh, rely better on it. What I mean is that nowadays you have too often the news telling that, okay, yes, uh, they were separate collected and uh, there was no reuse and then they were incinerated or just stuffed uh, on uh, landfills. And that, of course, is not very good for the consumers trust on the uh, circular economy and recycling systems.
0: Vanya, this is probably a, a question most relevant for you, so when we're thinking about all of these different ways that recycling can be done, how do we get consumers involved in that process?
4: Um, sorry, there's something going on in the room that I'm in, so it might be a little bit noisy. Um, I'm at another conference. so. Yes, I, I, I totally agree with uh, both what Rosalina and uh, Sirpa said. I think that uh, harmonizing labeling systems throughout Europe so that consumers on the one side can uh, very easily understand. Vous so consumers can understand uh, what they're buying. And once their packaging becomes waste, which bin to put it in, the benefit of harmonization is that it doesn't matter where they are in, um, in their own country, at home, in the office, on the road, or traveling uh, for business uh, on holiday, they will understand very easily which bin to put it in. And that helps the waste management sector after that to c- collect um, cleaner, larger quantities of the same materials and then follow on with sorting and treatment. On the side of the companies, it's, it's very important that they move to the production and use of materials which are fully recyclable. Today on the market we do have many materials which are not practically recyclable. Um, so they might in, in theory be recyclable but there are no plants and their recycling is not economically viable so to facilitate the whole process we should be moving towards a system where the products that are put on the market are 100 percent recyclable um, and that on an ongoing basis but that's the principle of a circular economy there is one discussion at the moment that i'd like to bring up and that is it's a big discussion it's chemical recycling um, to be used On plastics which don't have a technical or financially viable recycling option today. Uh, This discussion started calling it uh, or with a process called depolymerization, so taking the plastic back to its polymer and then being able to reconstitute it into a new plastic of any type. Um, That if it can be made financially viable uh, is a way to make plastic 100% recyclable and on an ongoing basis. Now there is also the risk that chemical recycling um, is and would be understood as uh, pyrolysis. Pyrolysis is a waste to energy technique. It does not recover the material and it does not end up in, as new plastic, and therefore this can in no way be uh, classed or understood in a legislative or practical form as recycling, and, and we are adamant about that. That would not lead to a circular economy, it would lead to more um, fallout from the circular economy.
0: Thank you. We have some questions from the audience on uh, chemical recycling, actually. So we'll come back to that in the discussion for sure. Um, Patricia, I want to go to you next. I mean, you are uh, facing consumers. So how do we get consumers involved in the whole life cycle of a product?
3: Uh, It's it's a very interesting question. And without wanting to put too much uh, burden on the uh, consumer, indeed, they do have a critical role to play because at the end of the use of a product, they do make the difference by the way they treat the packaging into considering it as waste or disposing of it properly and giving it a new life. So this is really critically important. But I also agree that there's a lot we can do to make this choice uh, easier for them, um, by, uh, installing the right infrastructure, for instance, for on the go consumption, we see too many, uh, bins overflowing with, uh, valuable packaging materials. So, uh, this could, uh, help them, you know, sorting bins, uh, in the area where there's, uh, affluence of people would be extremely helpful. Um, mentioned uh was mentioned uh, eu harmonized sorting instructions i think this is clearly very important because consumer now are moving um widely across europe and to be faced with different instructions, colors, etc. across Europe is not very helpful. So, sorting, identical sorting instructions on all packaging, I think, would be reducing confusion and improving um, sorting greatly. Uh, Then, I think it was Sirpa who mentioned the role of DRS in that field, clearly. Uh, When you set up a DRS system, uh, you incentivize consumer to return their packaging. And this can be done in an increasingly easy fashion because now you have machines that take whole bags uh, of of packaging. And um, we think also that in the future, digitalization might give us tools to make it even easier for them to take an active role in turning a packaging into a resource. Um, Digitalization option, reading uh, on how to dispose of packaging properly would probably become a reality in the near future and also help us reach that goal.
0: Yeah, I can definitely concur that for people who move around EU countries, the differing recycling schemes can be quite confusing. I've lived in five different EU countries, and each one has a different scheme, particularly the difference between here in Belgium and in Germany, where I also lived, uh, is quite different. For one thing, the colors are reversed, but more confusingly for me was the glass collection, actually. So to go to Vanessa, um, so for instance, we have a different, quite different uh, method of glass collection in Germany than in Belgium. When we're looking at Europe as a whole, what is the packaging value chain's ambition for glass collection and recycling? And would it be better to harmonize all the different methods of collection or is it best that each country has solutions that are tailored to local situations?
5: Yeah, thank you very much for these uh, important questions. How long do I have? Uh, so I was telling you that uh, 76% of glass that is put on the on the market in Europe is collected to be recycled. So what it means is that 24% of that glass packaging is not collected and uh, is lost uh, for uh, the bottle-to-bottle recycling system. So we want uh, to get back uh, this 24%. Uh, but as glass manufacturers, we can't uh, we can't do it alone. Uh, that really uh, depend on the whole uh, value chain to, to work together and, um, and, and collaborate uh, to, to increase uh, the, the, the collection uh, rate. So that's what uh, Close the Glass Loop is about. It's really a stakeholder multi-stakeholder partnership uh, that brings together public and uh, private players that are involved in the glass collection and uh, recycling chain. Uh, so the municipalities, the brands, Uh, the producers, the recyclers, uh, and the extended producer responsibility uh, schemes, and together we want to achieve a 90% collection for recycling rate uh, by uh, 2030, and also increase uh, the quality of of collected glass, because uh, closed-loop recycling is not only about the amount that you collect, but also the quality of what you collect. Uh, that needs to uh, meet certain requirements to uh, be uh, to go back into the, the production of, of glass packaging. So we have this partnership at European level, but we also have uh, 11 uh, national platforms, because as you rightly mentioned, uh, waste uh, collection and recycling, we discuss it also, of course, at European level, and uh, the EU is really creating the enabling framework. But um, down the line, waste collection and recycling is a national and even local uh, issue. So we really need uh, tailored uh, strategies that take into account uh, the local social demographic context, uh, the uh, importance of the hospitality sector in a a city, for example, because all of this will impact the uh, amount of waste generated, but also uh, create some some challenges potentially for uh, the collection uh, and recycling uh, value chain um so that's what we are trying with with close the glass loop to uh address these uh these challenges and see what best practices can be uh can be can be used can can give inspiration and can be replicated with some adaptations at uh, uh in in other uh countries so you you you're right that um today there are different um ways to collect uh glass in europe so the most um, the, the, the mainstream uh, uh, collection system in Europe is uh, bottle banks uh, and uh, door-to-door systems. Um, so that really has a, a proven track record. That's how we uh, we achieve the seventy-six percent uh, collection for for recycling rate. Um, So clearly, that is uh, a a proven uh, system. Uh, But as my fellow uh, panelists uh, highlighted, there are discussions on uh, deposit return schemes, uh, also for other uh, materials, but glass uh, as well. And so what we've done is to really look at what's the best solution to achieve this 90% collection for uh, recycling rate that I was mentioning. And we believe that we don't need such system for um, for for glass. Uh, first of all, because um, we already, as I mentioned, is a well-functioning uh, system. There is room for improvement, improvement for sure, uh, but it it works and it exists already. So we have the the infrastructure, and we need to improve it. Uh, but also, I think deposit return schemes are um, uh, very discussed for for plastics, for example. And the reason is that for plastics, you need a clean stream to separate uh, food grade plastic from non-food grade plastics. For glass, we don't need that because you can collect all types of glass, whether it's uh, food grade or not. And it will end up in the same place and it will be recycled the same way. So the more you collect uh, in in bulk, uh, the the best it is actually for the the viability of of the system. Um, so what, what we really see that um, a DRS uh, does not maximize the quantity and the quality of, uh, of, of glass uh, collection and recycling. And we actually see that in a number of countries when the DRS is introduced, the overall recycling rate uh, may decrease. And the reason is that you have two uh, parallel streams, the DRS and the EPR uh, stream, and... The introduction of the DRS can lead to uh, less investment in the EPR stream, which still represent uh, the major ch- share of uh, the glass that is uh, that is collected. Um, so, the introduction of a DRS actually uh, put at risk the viability of the of the overall uh, of the overall uh, system.
0: So, I want to stay on this topic of deposit return schemes because this is a really good example of how. Um, different systems exist in different countries. I know, so again, for instance, when I lived in Germany, I was paid to bring my glass and plastic uh, to the bottle banks. Here in Belgium, I'm not paid to bring my glass to the bottle bank, but I still do it. Um, So it's a question of how much incentive, I guess, the consumers need. Uh, Rosalina, for the the purposes of the Circular Economy Action Plan, what is the commission's thinking about deposit return schemes and, and whether or not they should be encouraged or discouraged?
1: That's indeed a very interesting discussion and what uh, I think Vanessa was referring to was exactly the discussions that uh, happened already under the uh, single-use plastic directive because at that time uh, there was indeed uh, a lot of um, debate uh, whether uh, the deposit refund uh, systems are the silver bullet uh, to achieve high separate collection uh, and then to... You may know that there are targets on the separate collection of bottles, or if uh, uh, they are the silver bullet for bottles, that will kill all the others. So, so that is, uh, and and, uh, this is exactly the conversation uh, uh, that was there at the time, and uh, that's why the question whether to introduce uh, a deposit refund um, uh, scheme or rely on other arrangements under extended producer responsibility, such as uh, door-to-door separate collection was uh, left open uh, to take account of, um, indeed, uh, it, it's what we call subsidiarity, so basically to take account of uh, national local conditions and arrangements. Uh, and, and, indeed, uh, deposit refund uh, uh, systems are um, excellent excellent example of uh, behavior, or let's say science and its application, because uh, in this way, uh, the waste really gets value for for the one that holds it, and then of course, they want to get this value back. And then uh, this this works really very, very well. But then the question is, well, in order to ensure that there are no trade-offs with other materials, so that uh, as consumers, we perceive as valuable only the stuff for which we get actually uh, this refund, while all the other is uh, not managed as properly. Also, the question of infrastructure, of course, because there should be indeed infrastructure both for separate collection and for uh, separate collection, which is which is not linked to deposit refund, and separate collection which is linked to deposit refund. Uh, which would then um, indeed uh, there should be the funding for this infrastructure as well. So it is it is not uh, an easy issue, and then. Um uh, and then the question is: Well, should there be deposit refund for all the packaging? I mean, uh, because this is when uh, uh, consumers may actually start returning it. But then we have to have also uh, indeed a complete overhaul of the infrastructure, where we have this uh, return infrastructure also for uh, or our waste to weigh the waste and so on and so forth. So it, it's it's not a, it's not it's not an easy question. And, and uh, I think that this is one of uh, the elements which we will be looking at actually at. Uh, 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 in, in the framework of the packaging and packaging waste uh, uh, directive, so that's uh, that, that, that's very important. But as I say, there is no single uh, th- there is no uh, single solution. Uh, but what I am certain is that in case there is not a deposit driven system, it should be really made easier to the consumer to take part in the separate collection. You should there should be enough collection possibilities, enough bins available, because now what we see, no matter where we go is that uh, you everywhere see a bin for uh, mixed waste, for residual waste that will go to uh, kind of a, a treatment which cannot ensure high quality recycling or it's very difficult to do so. Uh, and uh, it is very rare that uh, we see uh, indeed at the same places uh, bins for separate collection always. So so that is something which will be very important. And uh, it is not only for on-the-go on the consumption but also for uh, um, uh, Normal ways of uh, dealing with, uh, with separately collected waste that it should be as convenient to uh, dispose of, of your separately collected, uh, so of your valuable waste as for, for the mixed waste. Thank you.
0: Vanya, you're the expert on this topic. Uh, what's your take on DRS at European level? Is it something that should be encouraged, discouraged? What should be the attitude?
4: Um, Again, it's a very complex, multifaceted question. It's not, um, there isn't a yes or no answer to it. Uh, It it depends on the material, as the glass industry said. It depends on the country's setup. Um, and, And it's also very dependent on brand awareness, and brand engagement in their extended producer responsibility system. This is something that's only just beginning uh, to happen now uh, on implementation of the 2018 Waste Treatment Directive, where brands are realizing that they cannot only rely on their extended producer responsibility systems um, to take care of uh, connections with local authorities, with separate collection systems, and with the public, that brands have direct access to the public through their advertising systems, and including um, a message on how to source separate their waste in that advertising would not cost them anything more and would have an immediate impact. So I would go there before I went to um, saying everybody has to have a DRS, there are Uh, very well-functioning EPR systems, for example in Belgium uh, where you wouldn't necessarily need to add a deposit refund uh, system and then other countries where um, separate collection is not functioning at all where perhaps it should be analyzed and um, decided whether it would help and give a more direct access to the materials. So uh, it's it's not a simple question.
0: Well, you're talking about brands it's... there. So I think we should go to Patricia for sure. And Patricia, in terms of brands, uh, what is your perspective on DRS? Um,
3: you know, as we represent um, natural mineral waters and spring water pr- uh, producers, clearly I will look at SUPD and the uh, targets that have been set by the single use plastic directive. So. What are they? They are 77% in a first step and then 90% collection for beverage containers uh, in uh, 2029. So um, currently, if you look at the average collection rate, we are close to 60%, uh, 59%. But if we take a, you take a, a deeper look at the statistics more in detail, you see that where there is a DRS in place, the uh, effectiveness is closer. To uh, ninety to ninety nine to ninety five percent, even sometimes in excess of that. So when it comes to beverage packaging, clearly DRS deliver quality and quantity. Um, so they're really extremely well suited for, uh, closing the loop on our packaging. So this is why I think since 19, since 2019, we've come forward very, uh, clearly and, uh, once again, um, once again recently with the Eurase Europe and UNESDA in order to request minimum requirements in the context of the revision of the packaging and packaging waste directive. Uh, to lay the foundations uh, for the recognition that DRS has a role to play and also provide guidance as to what an efficient DRS system could look like. This said, uh, totally agree that uh, a no one fits all solution should be imposed. you know, there are a diversity of situation across the EU in this topic as in many others. So when you would set up a uh, central organization in a country to uh, launch a DRS, clearly one has to have a look at the situation locally, what is collected well, what isn't, etc. So no straight jacket should be um, uh, imposed, but se- there is, uh, certainly room for minimum requirements in that context. Um, voilà. This, this is really what we, we really believe that in most EU member states, looking for the targets that have been set for beverage containers by 2025 and 2030 without a DRS in most uh, if not all countries, those targets will not be achievable without uh, a DRS. For, for us, this is quite clear. And again, we need to keep in mind that what we need is not any material, but high quality material, because what we need and what we can use is only up to 95 percent. Uh, that comes from FSA opinion it has to be of food grade quality. So, if you want to put the the recycled material back into the bottle, it has to be of food grade quality, which again implies that you have a clean stream, which you are guaranteed to have once you have set up a DRS. So, there are really uh, a lot of factors that point at DRS in in the context of uh, beverage packaging as a really good instrument towards uh, closing the loop but again when it comes to uh, scope etc we do not believe that a strategy jacket should be uh, adopted across the EU more guidance in the shape of minimum requirements and, um, uh, and it will be up to the management body at local level to see about the scope and the various aspects of the, the governance of the local structure.
0: Thanks, Patricia. So we've had tons of questions come in from the audience. I surely am not going to be able to get to all of them. But I've tried to group them into groups so we can get to as many of them as possible. So we've had two questions come in on chemical recycling, which Vanya was talking about. Sirpa, I'm going to put the the question on chemical recycling to you first. So we have Andreas Bezenbach asks, what part can chemical recycling play in a European circular economy regarding plastics that cannot be kept in the loop through mechanical recycling. And then Oscar Gomez Prieto from Eurostat has a comment. Full support on Vanya's assessment of chemical recycling. Depolymerization is not recycling per se, especially when it is used for energy recovery and not to close the loop and produce new solid plastic material. So uh, Serpa, what is your take on chemical recycling?
2: Well, thank you. As it says, the uh, devil is always in the details. And in this case, it is pretty big one. Um, I'm very strongly in favor for the chemical recycling. And that especially goes for that kind of a, re- a residue of uh, plastics that cannot be uh, recycled uh, uh, in, in highest level to... to to reuse, like it is the case with uh, PET bottles, for example. But then again, the question is, uh, you should avoid putting that kind of um, amount of plastics that you could already recycle in higher level on this kind of a chemical recycling, because there's more loss on there. And of course, as I have understood, as a process, it takes more more of an energy. Secondly, and that is the fossil circle, we would need to be very sure that uh, the recovery rate would need to be up to 70 or beyond 70 not only 40 or 30 or something that I'm hearing the figures nowadays, because then basically you are incinerating the uh, great majority of the materials, uh, or then you are creating uh, like some um, uh, attempts from here, you are uh, uh, creating uh, fuels. But then again, of course, you can say it is reuse, but um, the matter is that if you need to uh, use fuel fuel in your fuel cars is better you, you use directly from diesel or benzene instead of creating plastics first and then converting them back to uh, fuel. The uh, sure uh, share energy efficiency of the process tells that. So how to limit effectively enough the chemical recycling really to be on that part? that residue that can't be used in higher level. And secondly, to have effective uh, grade 70 or beyond in the future uh, to avoid this uh, incineration impact and supporting the fossil economy.
0: Rosalina, what is the European Commission's take on chemical recycling?
1: Thank you. Well, we have... uh looked indeed with interest at uh, the development of the chemical recycling technologies uh, exactly uh, in order to be able to deal with uh plastic and then uh, which cannot uh, uh, be recycled in high quality materials uh, in, uh, by means of mechanical recycling so uh, this is where uh, there has really been a problem because uh, i started with the figures on on the demand of uh, uh, of, of uh, plastic for packaging and uh, of course a lot of uh, this packaging has to be food grade quality and some other plastic products that are not packaging also have to achieve uh, very very high quality and unfortunately plastic is such a material that retains quite a lot of contaminants and just remelting it uh, uh, may not be sufficient to clean them up so that is why uh, uh, indeed there are materials which are very suitable for mechanical recycling and since it is much more efficient uh, uh, those those types of plastics uh, uh, that should be uh, preferentially recycled in terms of with, with a more efficient process. But then uh, the question is indeed uh, what to do with the rest because there are uh, so many Park benches or, or uh, garbage bags that we need, and, and we have to ensure, uh, indeed, not only recycling but high quality recycling. And this is where uh, um, uh, the, the chemical reprocessing of plastic waste uh, is, uh, is uh, 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 gives some promises. And we are looking at uh, uh, indeed the, the efficiency of uh, the process. Uh, uh, we um, are working with, with that uh, on that with, with industry as well. To see uh, indeed what happens with the plastic there. But what we have always said also is that uh, whenever we talk about recycling is that the, the idea of putting the material in the process should be turning it back into a material and uh, not for energy recovery or for um, uh, use as fuel. So whenever, for instance, there are those uh, 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 kind of fuses uh, that uh, that are uh, yeah, well, the, the plastic waste is is turned into fuel or used for energy recovery, this is not recycling for sure. So the main purpose of the operation should be recycling and uh, uh, there are different ways to ensure that. And uh, we are also very much aware that uh, uh, it's quite energy intensive, uh, uh, the chemical reprocessing of uh, waste. Uh, uh, But uh, here what we also have to ensure is, I mean, or at least to be aware, is that the recycling of all materials is uh, energy-intensive. Whatever material we get, uh, uh, perhaps paper is not so energy-intensive as the others that had to be remelted, uh, but it's also resource-intensive in terms of water. So that's why I mean actually our uh, number one aim in the circular economy action plan is waste prevention and reuse, but this is not uh, the focus of this seminar. Uh, but uh, but we should be just aware that uh, all recycling requires, it's like any industrial process, it requires a lot of additional resources, or in the case of chemical reprocessing, the energy that the plastic has, and, and uh, that's why prevention remains uh, number one priority.
0: Well, the next group of questions is about reuse. I'm going to put these questions to Vanessa and Patricia. Uh, so... First question from Delphine Close from UNESDA. How can the EU better support closed loops and prevent downcycling? Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. That's not, <laughs> wrong group. Here's the group about uh, reuse. First question is from Federica Pozzi from ECOS. If the objective is to limit waste generation and resource extraction, i.e. by extending life cycle, why don't we look higher up the value chain and waste hierarchy, meaning reuse? Harald Throne Holst asks, how can we increase reuse, increase longevity of products, rather than recycling the materials? A lot of energy is used and lost in the recycling process. And finally, uh, Peter Barshak from the EEB says, what about closing the loop perfectly by incentivizing much more in refillables? Uh, So, um, Vanessa, I'll put that to you first. Uh, should reuse be a big part of the strategy here, and how can it be encouraged?
5: Yeah, thank you very much for the um, for the question. I started this uh, event by saying that um, glass is really the perfect material for a circular economy, and indeed not only because it is uh, fully recyclable, but also because it is uh, reusable. And uh, actually, glass is really the preferred uh, material already today for uh, consumer uh, reuse. Um, So today, there are uh, functioning uh, reusable reusable systems for beers, uh, for soft drinks, uh, for uh, mineral water as well, where uh, reusable glass represents uh, as much as 22% uh, of uh, glass packaging put on the market already. So reuse is already a reality, reusable in glass uh, bottles. Uh, but I think what is important to have in mind is that these uh, uh, systems uh, do exist, but they are typically uh, local. And the reason for that is that um, reusable bottles need to circulate uh, within the value chain from the the, well, the producers first, and then to the filler, to the retailer, and uh, the same way back. So. Definitely, reuse uh, reusable bottles can be uh, uh, an, uh, a good and sustainable uh, solution. Glass bottles can be, for example, reused up to uh, 50 uh, times uh, before they reach the, the end of life. Uh, but they are m- uh, most suited for uh, short uh, supply chains if there is uh, a consumer culture that, uh, that that supports reuse, and also if there is the uh, adequate uh distribution network in in place and uh as part of the the review of the packaging packaging waste directive there are of course discussion on how to promote uh reuse and and we see that uh deploying more reusable options is really requires a systemic uh change of business models and of supply chains uh, so it's extremely uh, complex because you need uh, well, the, you need the, the, the containers, you need uh, the, the, the collection scheme, you need the, the washing infrastructure. Uh, you so you need basically to adapt the whole uh, supply chain for for reuse. So it's extremely complex, and again, it's probably uh, best suited for uh, local supply chains. So, for instance, we don't believe that uh, targets or quotas on reuse would very much uh, help. Uh, we instead believe that we need to have this discussion on uh, what it takes to, uh, to 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 have more uh, reuse. Um, yeah.
0: Patricia, what do you think is the best form of recycling? Having reusable bottles.
3: Well um thank you for for the question and giving me the opportunity to answer on that dave there is one fits all uh answer as always so as far as we are concerned vanessa mentioned it we are using uh, um, a combination of glass and pet and we already offer depending on the consumption channel um, reusable glass bottles so uh, quite a high um, percentage of uh, refill bottle when it comes to glass. However, I think, first of all, it's really important uh, not to throw the baby with the, uh, the water of the bath because sometimes i have the feeling that the debate is presenting as let us not recycle we can reuse instead in actual fact from an environmental perspective depending on the circumstances the channel the distances the material and so on it will make more sense and also from an uh, carbon neutrality perspective to either refill or recycle so there should again not be a kind of straight jacket uh, and uh, just abandon the idea on neglect recycling because there is this possibility of reusing. In some circumstances, it will make a lot of sense, as Vanessa highlighted, to uh, refill. In others, it will make much more sense Uh, to recycle so here what we need to make sure is that we take policy options that are based on facts and science and not on perception because there will be instances in which imposing uh, refill requirements would not go um, hand in hand with the overall objectives of carbon neutrality uh, etc Another aspect uh, that uh, is critically important is whichever policy options is decided at EU level, and we very much hope that uh, those policy measures will be discussed at EU level primarily rather than at local level to preserve the internal market. Uh, Again, as Vanessa highlighted, we're talking about policy decisions that imply Uh, very intense changes in terms of distribution distribution channels that uh, imply high-level investments. Therefore, whichever way we go in the context of the revision of the PPWD, what all the operators and i'm not only talking about uh, natural mineral and spring water producers here the whole value chain needs consistent measures across the eu legal certainty and visibility you know that we are also all um, looking forward to recovery and the green recovery so those aspects needs to be factored in as well
0: Rosalina, how do you respond to that? Are there some situations where recycling is more appropriate than reuse?
1: Uh, thank you for uh, for giving me the floor, and, and I just want to finish where uh, patricia uh, to to uh, 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 well to comment on what Patricia said. I mean, indeed, our main aim, and I think here both our Commissioner and Ms. Pitti Cannon, we, we are completely on the same uh, um, tune. Let's say is, is that uh, our internal market has to be preserved. It's our biggest achievement in the EU, and uh, and we have to make sure that uh, that. Uh, it functions properly so uh, uh, this is indeed something that we always keep in mind where we when we define uh, uh, requirements in uh, the EU legislation Uh, then as regards uh, yeah indeed um, uh, the, the the we we should we always have to begin uh, the reuse, reduce, uh, recycling uh, um, uh, tune by by rethinking. And uh, here, in particular, we talk about the reuse. Uh, uh, the question is how can the system uh, be rethought uh, so that what we already see quite well functioning in business, for instance, uh, in business-to-business business packaging, that we could uh, replicate some of um, those successes in business-to-consumer packaging. For instance, uh, uh, wooden pallets, uh, they're standardized across the EU, they're not thrown away like that. Uh, They're used and reused and repaired uh, many times before finally, uh, in some countries, even being turned uh, into uh, furniture. Uh, Then uh, uh, the, the question is, what are those kind of initiatives or tools that could help industry engage in more sustainable use? We say, well, it is suitable For local, if there is certain standardization of packaging that business would like to take up, it is not necessary to be local because then all the impact of um, uh, uh, of, uh, the logistics could be dramatically reduced. Uh, But uh, these are the uh, the things that we have to discuss broadly. What would be let's say the take up of more standardized packaging uh, what is the science of the things as they are and what is the science of the things as they could be and uh, uh, these are the, the very interesting questions in uh, such challenging areas as increasing crews
0: okay let's go to the next group of questions now vanya i'm going to put these to you first so uh, first question comes from laura Question two, Vanya. What is the definition of 100% recyclability? With recycling infrastructure being different in each EU country, are there scalable ways to test a packaging's recyclability and closed loop fit? Then we have a question from Camila Oliveira: What is the minimum threshold of recycled content in plastics that could be counted as closed loop? Because recycling always leads to losses and needs to be replaced by virgin material, mass balance approach will have a role in verifying this recycled content. And finally, a question from Delphine Close from UNESDA. How can the EU better support closed loops and prevent downcycling when other options are available? So, Vanya, what is the definition of 100% recyclability when we're talking about closed loops?
4: well, we don't have a definition. This is something that uh, may be discussed in the next revision of the Waste Framework Directive with Rosalina and her colleagues. Um, if, if we just think about it in logical terms, uh, it is with minimal losses. So throughout the recovery procedure or process of collecting, sorting, and um, mechanically recycling uh, plastic, not just plastics, but any packaging there would be minimal losses in a closed loop recycling system in such a way as to make sure that less and less virgin materials are required to supplement that uh, production process. So on a very basic level that's how I would um, describe it, I'm not calling it a definition um, on minimum uh, recycled uh, contents, there are plastic bottles, if we're talking about plastic, that claim that they are 100% recyclable today. So, why can they do it? That's my question back to the industry. And what was the third question?
0: Third question was kind of related how can the EU better support closed loops and prevent downcycling when other options are available?
4: Okay, so there are two um, aspects here, one of them I mentioned already. Um, The EU can assist with material losses by ensuring that all brokers and dealers are registered within a registration system. Now that can be uh, directly linked with the waste shipment regulation, whereby within a digital notification system only registered brokers and dealers can enter the system to notify. Um, This is to prevent uh, waste going to the wrong place, because if it doesn't arrive at the sorting or recycling centre and actually be fully processed in those plants, then of course we have recycling losses and material losses. Um, So that's one aspect. The The other aspect, Sorry, losing train of thought. Too many presentations today. Um, Yeah, I'm going to leave it there and come back to it afterwards. that's fine.
0: Um, (laughs) Ness, I want to go to you next to take all these questions that we're running out of time. So this will be the last uh, round of interventions here, but um, what is the definition of 100% recyclability and how do we think about this minimum threshold of recycled content when we're talking about closed loop recycling?
5: Yeah so that's an important question because um well, the commission ambitions to have all packaging uh, placed on the on the EU market to be recyclable or reusable by 2030 so one important uh, aspect of the the upcoming review of the packaging and packaging waste directive will be to define actually uh, recyclability um so for us it's quite so we we fully uh, support this uh, this commission's uh, objective And we indeed need a clear, harmonized and enforceable definition of uh, recyclability, which uh, for us would mean that uh, materials, packaging materials are collected, uh, sorted and recycled in practice uh, and and at scale. So not only theoretically, so not only theoretical recyclability, but real uh, recyclability. And that process should uh, generate uh, recyclates that are of sufficient quality that they can replace uh, virgin uh, raw materials. Um, so there are different ways uh, um, of assessing the recyclability being discussed right now, but I think these are the key uh, principles that uh, that that should be uh, that should be uh, stressed in that uh, in that definition.
0: Sirpa, Sirpa, I'll let you have the last word on this. As a legislator, do you think there's a way to to define 100% recyclability and a minimum threshold that can qualify as closed loop?
2: Well, uh, indeed. Uh, 100% recyclability is 100%. uh, And that only then would uh, leave very small Amounts uh, that are uh, purely technical figures, uh, or or errors, or just the uh, uh, the natural laws of physics. So I would put take it to close 90 or beyond the 90, because those are the figures what we can get already with the deposit system, let's say, with the PET bottles in in Nordic countries, it is 96 or 97 or something like that. So that would be a full recyclability to me. And the minimum, I would start pretty high. I would talk about 80 percent, beyond 70 percent. Anything lower than 70, actually, then the good question is where the one-third is going and what is happening with that. And then to me, it is a system failure and you need to go back to your table and start replanning the system so that you get better, better figures. And quite often you would need to then think not only the system, but the materials, because some materials are pretty bad in recycling and you could compensate them with the better... Uh, better ones uh, this would be sort of my sort of out of the sleeve figure let's see where the commission ends up then with uh, with the legislation wonderful discussion i've uh, been very very uh, interested to to have to hear all of your talks almost all female panel uh, this time and I'm very uh, excited to continue this uh, this work
0: with all of you Thanks, sir. But we can say I don't count since I'm the moderator, and then we can say it's an all-female panel. No, no, you um, count, definitely <laughs> Well, thank you guys so much for a great conversation. There's so much interest in this. We got so many questions from the audience. So I think this is a discussion that's going to continue for sure. I think this is a topic that people really care about because of course recycling is something we all do in our everyday lives, and it's really, really important. For the environment and for the climate, so it's it's important that we get this policy framework right, and that's what uh, all of the legislators, the NGOs, everybody, all the stakeholders are going to be working on in the coming months. So uh, thank you guys at home for following along with us this afternoon. Be sure to tune in next time for the next EA debates, and I wish you a great rest of your day. Take care.